You're listening to audio from Plank Grove Harvest Church located in Crossville, Tennessee. If you'd like more information about our church and its various ministries, please visit our website at www.plankgroveharvest.org. All right, if you have your Bible, I hope you do. Turn to John 8. John chapter 8. I mentioned last week that I taught on truth, and this is, this is um, uh, similar to what I taught on when we were in Mexico. And uh, I pray that uh, it's what the Lord wanted us to hear this morning. I, I don't know about you, but I look around the world, and uh, <clears throat> I've talked to Dave a couple of times about this. and The, the, the term post-truth society is a popular thing now. Uh, a lot of people argue that, well, what's true for you isn't necessarily true for me, and um, your truth is different from my truth. And what I want to talk about today is, is that a true statement? Um, John 8, starting in, in verse 30, um, we're going to be in 30... Uh, and, and, and down through 35, let me read that for us this morning. And as he was saying these things, many believed in him. This is Jesus speaking. And so Jesus, in verse 31, says, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. On down in 34, Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, Everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you are free indeed. So the question is, is there real truth? Um, I, never, I never thought I would live in a world that asked this question. I really didn't. This is not something that I, I, I guess I thought I would encounter through my life. And, and my personal testimony is that from a very, very early age, I knew what truth was. I was blessed to know what truth were, uh, was. My parents were, were good, godly parents. Uh, they made sure that I knew what truth was. Uh, uh, the examples come to mind. You know, don't touch that fire. That fire is hot. No matter where you are, fire is hot. Don't touch that fire. It will hurt you. Um, baseball glove. When you're playing catch with dad, you put the baseball glove up or the ball hits you in the face. You better use the glove, son. <laughs> Don't use your face to catch the ball. It will not go well. And uh, then even obeying them, hey, son, don't pick on your sister. If I have to tell you again, it's going to hurt. And it did. They taught me the truth. <laughs> and they did not spare the rod. They didn't overly uh, use it, but they used it appropriately. I, I mean, I, I, can't, I can't thank them enough for instilling truth in my life. So even now, in this place, we know truth as, as a, a congregation. We can agree on certain truths that, that we are, you guys are sitting in what is called a chair. That's a truth, right? And if you pick that chair up and drop it, gravity takes full effect. The same thing with fire. It doesn't matter where you go in the world. Fire is fire. And fire is hot. And fire burns. So there are these small truths that we can all agree. 
and we can agree that truth is real, correct? Truth is a real thing, right? So the question then becomes, if we can agree that truth is real, what truth is real? You see, many people around the world believe in some version of some truth. But that's not enough. That's not enough. We see when we look at God's word, and when we look around us, we see that there are two truths, basically. The truth of the world and the, and the truth of God's word. Um, so when we look at God's word, it defines for, for us the truth of the world. In, in Proverbs 14, 12, it says this, There is a way that seems right to a man, but in its end is death. Proverbs 21.30 says, No wisdom, no understanding, no counsel, counsel can avail against the Lord. That's speaking of earthly counsel or earthly wisdom or earthly understanding, earthly truths. It cannot avail against the Lord. 1 Corinthians 3.18-19 says this, Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you think that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. Listen, for the wisdom of the world is folly with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. If we read Romans, in, in just the first chapter of Romans, the opening of Romans, in, in starting in verse 18, uh, Paul says this, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and the wickedness of people uh, who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what, we may, uh, since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him. But their thinking became futile, futile and their uh, hearts foolish, uh, were foolishly and, uh, foolish and darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over to their sinful desires of their hearts, to sexual imp uh, impurity, for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie. That's the key point. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator who is praised forever. Amen. So what I wanted to look at here briefly is a couple of different situations of worldly truth versus godly truth. And kind of what we're seeing is is you're gonna you gotta pick a side you can't straddle the fence it can't be both and and so there are all these issues some that we have been you know coming on for a while and then there's one that i just pulled from the headlines this week but if we were to look at some of these and and ask the question what does the world say versus what does the bible say uh and see what the answer is the first one I wanted to touch on is, is homosexuality. My entire life has been this, this process of, even as a young person, you saw a little bit of uh, 
this acceptance of homosexuality creeping in to society. And then as it, as it crept into society, it crept into churches. And then as it crept into churches, it crept into programs in the churches. And, and, and it's this continued pattern to now, I don't know if you recognize it like I do, but I try to watch a show with my kids, and it's talking about two moms or two dads. As, and it's, it's supposed to be accepted. And so the world says, homosexuality is great. It's natural. We should celebrate it. But when we look at God's word, it says it's a sin. Romans 1, 26 through 32, the continuation of where we were just at, it says this, because of this, God gave them over to uh, shameful lust. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relationships with unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relationships with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. Furthermore, just as they did not think it was worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they that they would do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossipers, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. Invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Although they knew God's righteousness a righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. It's true today. This, this is Paul writing this thousands of, a thousand, over a thousand years ago. And it was true before Paul, it was true with Paul, and it's true now. So the question is, you know, we know what truth is right. But what truth are you going to believe? Because as a church, as Jesus followers, we're, we're, we're under the pressure of others to, to believe both and. That we should accept not just what the Bible says about God's love, but we should take that love and contort it to something that it's not. And to accept unnatural love, as the Bible says. Another thing that's new to the past couple of years, really, is this idea that there's more than two genders in the world. That, well, now, I think last I heard, I heard somebody say that there was about 53 genders right now, which is incredible to me. That's, that's, I've, I've only ever met guys and girls, and so when I'm, when I'm confronted with that statement, I don't know what to say. So, the world says, yeah, there's more than two genders. Just because your DNA and genetic makeup say that you're a boy, that doesn't mean, for the first time in history, that you're a boy. You could be a girl, or you could be something else. And I guess God just misidentified you when he was forming you in your mother's womb. You see, apparently God makes mistakes now. But the Bible says in Genesis 1, 26-28, Then God said, Let us make man in our image. After our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of, in the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So Christian, here's the question. Again, you know what truth is right. 
the question becomes, what truth are you going to believe? Because we cannot be wishy-washy in believers of half-truths. We have to be believers of the full truth. Last example is one, like I said, right out of the headlines. If you don't know, Israel is in a war right now with um, Hamas, with the Palestinians. And so there are several facts that I don't know if you, like Dave and I, we look at Twitter probably more than we should and, and get caught up in some of this stuff. Um, uh, but I was looking at Twitter last night, and man, it was blasting Israel. Like Israel's, how dare they kill these innocent Palestinians? How dare they do these things? Bernie Sanders tweeted out, Palestinian lives matter. And I'm not joking. If you go look at Twitter right now or watch CNN right now, you'll see the majority of the opinion is that the Jews are the bad guys and the poor little Palestinian, Palestinians are good. But all you have to do is step back and look at the fact for a minute and you'll see the truth. And the truth is this, is that the Jews aren't killing innocent Palestinian people. They're, they're in, at war with Hamas. Hamas is a terrorist organization. Everybody in the world agrees Hamas is a terrorist organization. And their stated goal is to completely annihilate all Jews from the face of the earth. And as of last night before I went to bed, I checked. Hamas had fired over 2,300 missiles into Jewish cities. So another thing that you're hearing is that the reason that Hamas is even attacking the Jews is because the Jews are trying to occupy this Gaza Strip. What's crazy is that all you have to do is look, and in 2005 you see that the Jewish people willingly pulled out of the Gaza Strip, leaving houses and greenhouses and stores and businesses, and they handed it over to the Palestinian people as an opportunity, as a, as a trying out of this peace act. And, and so the Palestinians moved in, and within no time at all, Hamas had set up shop and got a, a better uh, position to fire more rockets. At, at, yeah, dig more tunnels and, and fire more rockets. So knowing all that, when you look at the Bible, what does it say about the Jewish people? It says that they're the chosen people of God. Genesis, all the way back to Genesis 12, 3, speaking of what became the Jewish people, I will bless those who bless you and and, and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you all, the families of the earth shall be blessed. Psalms 122.6 says, Pray for peace of Jerusalem, that they be secure. Zechariah 2.8 um, For thus said the Lord of hosts, After his glory sent me to the nations who plundered you, for he who touches you touches the apple of his eye. These are the apple of God's eye. Last one, Isaiah, Isaiah 60, 12. For the nation and kingdom that will not serve you shall perish. Those nations shall be utterly laid waste. This is, this is kind of a neat side note. I believe with my whole heart that God's word is true in every aspect. I was talking to a pastor the other day. And, and we had a disagreement on that. And I know, I know that I know that Jesus is the Son of God. He died on the cross for our sins. And I know that He is the Word. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and that was Jesus. 
And that is true. And I believe this whole book is true. And I can tell you right now, you want to know if this isn't true? If they wipe Israel, Israel off the face of the map, then this is not true. You can know with certainty that this is true or not. If they succeed at destroying Jerusalem and destroying the Jewish people, then we were wrong. And this is wrong. But it's not going to happen because this is true. You don't have to take my word for it. So knowing that, knowing the question, is there real truth? Absolutely. Absolutely there's real truth. What truth are you going to follow? Because there's, there's multiple truths out there. But when you really start to look, there's only one true truth. The truth of the world says this, marry who you want, do what you want, drink what you want, smoke what you want, eat what you want, as long as it makes you happy. The world says that life is short and the best thing you can do is spend your time making yourself happy. That's the truth of the world. But there's this other truth, the truth of God. Jesus says in John, uh, uh, John says in, in 1 through 4 that Jesus is the word and the word is truth. The truth tells us that there is one God and that through his son, Jesus Christ, we can have real abundant life is what it says in John 10.10. 10. The truth of God tells us that life is not temporary at all. It's eternal. And if we accept Jesus as our Savior and Redeemer, then we will get to spend eternity with Him in His presence, praising and worshiping Him forever and ever. We are co-heirs with Christ. But, here's the bad news. It also says that those who don't follow Jesus, who don't receive Him as, as their Redeemer, are cast into hell to suffer for the rest of eternity. So what will you choose? What will you choose? Will you choose eternity with Christ or eternity without Christ? The world says, enjoy life now. Do what feels good now. Why wait? Jesus says, if you continue in my word, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The world says sin is no big deal. Everybody's doing it. Verses 34 through 35. I assure you, everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. And the slave does not remain in the house forever. But the son does remain forever. The world says freedom means I can do what I want when I want. Jesus says, therefore, if the son sets you free, you are really free indeed. He goes on to say in John 14, 6, I alone am the way, the truth, the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. So I'm here to plead with you that you reject the worthless truth of this world and believe in the eternal, perfect truth of Jesus Christ. He alone is the way. He alone is the light. He alone is the truth. So if you're here today and you say, yeah, I got you. I'd say most of us are on the same page. <laughs> Jesus is our Savior. We believe that. Excellent. But let me ask you this. What does your family believe? What about your children? What about your neighbors? What truth do they follow? You see, the good news is not just meant for you or me. John 3.16, right, Ray? 
For God so loved the world. It's not so for God to love Jed or Dale or Ray. It's for God to love the world. If Jesus saved you from your sins, he did so with a purpose in mind. And that purpose is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. So if you're here and you need to accept the truth that Jesus is the Son of God and that he, has, uh, he came and lived a perfect life and died on the cross in your place for your sins, today can be that day. Today you can have salvation. But if you're here today and you already know Jesus, then the encouragement I have and the challenge I have for you is to tell others this wonderful, this amazing truth. That Jesus alone is the way and the truth and the light. I've got um, something I want to read you here. J.I. Packard, Knowing God. This book is, is really good. It's, it, he, uh, anyways, he, it, this is what he has to say about believing and obeying the truth. He asks this, What is a Christian? Christians can be described from many angles. But from what we have said here, it's clear that we can cover everything by saying true Christians are people who acknowledge and live under the word of God. They submit without reservation to the word of God written in the book of truth. That's found in Daniel 10:21. Believing the teachings, trusting the promises, following the commands. Their eyes are upon the God of the Bible and their father and the Christ of the Bible as their savior. Christians will tell you if you ask them that the word of God has both convinced them of sin and assured them of forgiveness. Their consciousness, like Luther's, are captive to the word of God. And they aspire, like the psalmist, to have their whole lives brought into line with it. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. Do not let me stray from your commands. Teach me your decrees. Let me understand the teaching of your precepts. Turn my heart towards your statutes. May my heart be blameless towards your decrees. All that's found in Psalms 119. The promises are before them as they pray, and the precepts are before them as they go about their daily tasks. Christians know that in addition to the word of God spoken directly to them in the scriptures, God's word has also gone forth to create and control and order things around them. But since the scriptures tell them that all things work together for the good, the thought of God ordering their circumstances brings them only joy. Christians are independent folks, for they use God's word as a touchstone by which they test the various views that are put to them. And they will not touch anything which they are not sure that the scripture sanctions. This is tough. Ready for the tough part? Why does this description fit so few of us who profess to be Christians in these days? You will find it profitable to ask your conscience and let it tell you. He had to end it with a zinger, didn't he? So John 3.16, we already talked about that. Let me, let me see what it, tell you what it says right here after John 3.16. Let's end it with, with Scripture. In, in verse 19, it says this, And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his work should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light. And so that it may be clearly seen 
in that his works have been carried out in God. Is there absolute truth? Yes or no? We agree. What are we going to do with that absolute truth? Because not only are we called, we're commanded to be set apart. And our set-apartness should be based fully in the truth of God. So that's the encouragement this morning, is that we encourage one another in the truth of God. It's such an important aspect in the Bible. It's all through, I mean, we could go through and, and, and dive into the Scriptures and be here for ever talking about that it's it's so part important it's a part of the spiritual armor that we're supposed to equip ourselves with the belt of truth jesus says to know him is to know truth and to know him is to be free and the truth will set us free may we encourage each other in that may we encourage others in that like i said what do your what does your family know what do my kids believe what do, what do my cousins believe? What do, what do my neighbors believe? Because if he saved you, he saved you with a purpose. And we've got a purpose. And like Dale, I praise God for, for our church family. We're not inactive. And I don't say that to praise you, but to give glory to God. I pray that we continue to be active for the Lord in this place. Um, if you don't know Jesus and you want to know him today, come talk to me or Dale or Dave or uh, if you want to talk to somebody else, we've got others that I'll tell you. But we want you to know the truth of God, that, that Jesus has saved you and, and you can know him and grow in him for the rest of your life and then live in eternity with him in perfect peace. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for the way that you've blessed this church, Lord. I pray that uh, we follow you closely, that we seek you, Lord. We, I pray that we, you open our eyes to see as you see so we can do as you say. Forgive us for falling short. We want to know you fully. We want to rest in your truth. We want to rest in your love. We want to make it known to others around us. May you enable us. Holy Spirit, may you dwell on us and in us so that we are not afraid or ashamed of you. May our, the words of our lips and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight, Jesus, this week. We love you, Lord. We thank you for all you do for us. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, we're not done. Dale's going to come up. Come on, Dale. We're almost done. We're almost done.